0: Hey guys, Dr. Justin here, a special quarantine episode of the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast. Today I interviewed Perrin Barr. One of the nice things that quarantine has created, even though we are socially isolated, it's allowed me to connect with people that I may not have in the past. So Perrin is a coach, a CrossFit coach outside of Philadelphia that I was hooked up with through a mutual friend. Not only do we talk about some advice during the quarantine that she's utilizing for herself and for her clients. But we talk about her experience as a coach and we go through, you know, some basic stuff that she thinks and I think would be very helpful. We talk about health and fitness. I think it's an episode that you really enjoy and that I hope you gain some value from. So talk to you soon. This is the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast, aimed at helping you live an active and healthy life in and around Somerset and Union County, New Jersey. This podcast is brought to you by Strive to Move, located in Warren and Berkeley Heights. Strive to Move helps active adults in New Jersey get back to doing what they love pain-free. All right, Perrin, thank you so much for coming on today. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Um, So you are our first official quarantine episode. And what I think is interesting about this episode is our podcast is the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast, and we're quarantined, we're isolated. But one of the things that it's forced us to do is kind of look outside our, our, normal area. And there's an argument to say, we're actually able to make connections and get closer with people that we might not have otherwise. So if there is a silver lining, that's uh, that's what I've seen, but why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Um, I am a individualized coach. I coach athletes remotely and in person um, at requisite fitness, which is a gym in Philadelphia. Uh, We are also across the gym, we have Olympic weightlifting barbell club, Um, and I also am head coach there, I write programming there, um, as well as train individuals outside of or inside of that gym. So I kind of wear two hats, like one, writing programs and directing programs at RF, as well as coaching my own client base.
0: So I was doing some research on your Instagram, you've been coaching at least 10 years now, right?
1: Yeah, I started coaching in CrossFit in 2011. Um, I was actually working in the financial industry uh, because my undergraduate degree is in business and economics. Um, So I was working for a financial firm and discovered CrossFit in 2009 um, just as a fitness regimen, very similar to how everyone else did, kind of poking around online looking for Looking for a training program that I thought was challenging, but also interesting, um, and certainly checked both of those boxes. So I got really, really into it and, and went out and got my level one in 2011, started coaching part-time, and then actually was able to transition to full-time in 2012. Um, so I left my finance job, um, started managing the gym and coaching full-time, and training I would consider it full-time, because uh, at the time I was trying to compete which I no longer am doing but um it was like kind of that point where I was like all right I'm gonna have to make a shift in order to create more time and space um to be able to do that but also I wasn't you know really feeling fulfilled in my job um so the stars kind of aligned and um it's kind of in history since then I I started coaching at the same gym I'm actually at now and then in 2006 13, 14, transitioned to another CrossFit gym in the city and then uh, worked there for three years and ended up coming back to the gym where I started from and uh, I've been there ever since.
0: So I think there's some interesting parallels. You at the time were working in a finance job that probably was pretty stable and paid pretty well and life was kind of normal and uh, you kind of left it all to pursue something completely different and almost during this time of quarantine. And we were talking before we started recording similar for everyone, like uncertainty, not sure what's next. Have you even thought about maybe drawing any parallels or maybe lessons you learned then to things you're carrying over now or coaching people on?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, in consulting with my clients, everybody's situation varies quite a bit. I've got some people that are in grad school, some people that are, um, have families, multiple children, um, and then other people kind of around my age or maybe in their twenties, and it just kind of depends on everyone's situation. Um, everybody is facing adversity right now, and if you yourself are handling it okay, you definitely know somebody or connected somebody that is probably having a hard time. So um, I think there are a ton of parallels that we learn from just training daily, um, and. Dealing with that uncertainty and managing as best we can. Right. So this is just, it's another obstacle. And this one for a lot of people was completely unexpected. I'm sure like it's completely um, halted the entire world and it's completely changed the way that we're living our lives daily and interacting with each other. But um, I really find that people that either train or crossfitters, especially like are very used to, dealing with resilience and adversity. And we do it regularly in our workouts. Um, And I think coping has actually been pretty good. You know, everybody handles it a little differently. But for the most part, everyone, um, my individual clients seem to be handling okay.
0: Mm hmm. Um, It's what about the community aspect? Um, I've been around CrossFit you know, probably, I think I started working regionals in 2012. I don't really remember when, but it's always, it is about competing, but it's about the community. And that's kind of been taken away the physical in-person community. Uh, have you seen that to be, have impacted some of your, some of the members at the gym?
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, it's been, it's been hard and, and uh, my coaching staff has worked really, really hard and I think we made a lot of good decisions early on to try to preserve that as best as possible. Um, and I think the gyms that are going to come out of this, you know, the most successful will have kind of put a lot of effort into keeping the community together throughout through this time. So, um, you know, between running online classes on Zoom, um, we've done some weekly challenges, which has been kind of fun, simple challenges to kind of like, see people's creativity, um, do something physical, but also have fun and um, see each other being highlighted in different ways, um, as well as just kind of some social social things as well. Um, it's also been a really good opportunity for coaches to uh, create content and work on projects that maybe we have put on the back burner, been a little bit too busy to kind of get into. Um, But, you know, the online interaction is certainly different, you know, um, I had only used Zoom a few times before all of this. Um, And I would just say, generally speaking, I'm probably not like a big video person, but having to adapt, you know, how I interact with everybody um, has been extremely beneficial, I think, because I also think moving forward, this is going to be a large part of how we interact um, because of this time. But,
0: so how do you I'm curious, sorry to cut you off, as far as what do you think about, you know, you being in the industry of, and I've heard both sides of this in the gym, that the gyms are going to be different because the people are afraid or or you know, let's let's say, let's say a year out, like let's say life is back to normal. We're not talking in a month. Do you think that people will, will use this time and say, well, maybe I don't need that gym or is it going to be the opposite saying like no 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 i missed that i need that and people are going to do it more double down on it
1: i i definitely think there's going to be a spectrum there of certain people that um will fall in one camp or the other Um, our hope is that you know people are really going to want to come back um a lot of people have expressed really missing the gym and and not really realizing how much it impacted their life and um, their socialization until they didn't have it anymore. So um, I think it depends on the person. I hope that you know we've created relationships with our clients that will kind of stand the test of time. So they're going to want to come back. They're going to crave that um, in-person interaction and that community feel. Because even people who are working out on their own right now, say they're doing at-home workouts that we're programming, and versus the people that are doing the online classes, there's, they've communicated a distinct difference in their level of effort and intensity that they're able to create uh, when nobody's watching. And that accountability, I think, from a coach, um, even just knowing they have eyes on you, obviously being able to um, technically correct things um, or answer questions that you might have because maybe you aren't interpreting the program incorrectly or what the intended stimulus is, I think those are extremely valuable, and um, I think for the most part, our clients um, already held those values. Otherwise, they wouldn't have come across in the first place, because now that everyone's investing in home gym equipment, I think there's going to be a lot more um, flexibility in training at home, which I also think could be a good thing, Um, because at the end of the day, if you have a client over a long period of time, I hope that they're learning things to the point where they can do things on their own. You know, I hope that we're able to teach them things so they have the tools to make good judgments and be able to interpret a workout without us having to hold their hand. So I think you kind of have going to have a mix of both. Um, But I hope that we can provide enough value um, that they're going to want to walk in the, continue to walk in the door and, and see us and engage.
0: I think the relationship that people have with fitness is very interesting. I'll just give you my own situation. I, you know, worked in strength and conditioning. Now I obviously am in, I'm a chiropractor, so that's mostly what I do, but I can write my own program. I could do my own thing. I, one of my offices in a gym that I could use for free and all that type of stuff. But about a year and a half ago, I looked at myself and I'm like, you're fooling yourself that you think you can actually do it. On my own, It wasn't for a lack of knowledge. It wasn't for a lack of equipment. It wasn't for a lack of any of that. What I realized about myself was that if I didn't have the accountability of someone coaching me being in person, that I wasn't going to make it happen to the point of it was before the quarantine. It was funny. One of the coaches at my gym, uh, because they write, everyone's got their own program. You kind of give the coach a program. He tells you what to do and you go back and forth. And Colin, he said to me, he goes, Justin, do you need any unnecessary coaching right now? which is like, like he knows I know the technique, but like, I'm not there for that, you know? So there, there have to be a lot of people like me out there and whether they've realized it or not, maybe they will. But this has been challenging for me. I've been trying to stay active, but You know, I used to be one of those people that would almost beat myself up if I go on vacation or something like that, because I wouldn't be wanting to do much. But I finally realized, like, understanding myself that I'm better when I have an appointment to go and someone's telling me what to do. Maybe I have input in it, but, like, I I do this all day, kind of like you, that I want someone just to, I don't want to think. Like, you tell me what to do. I'm there for an hour. Get it out of me. So. Uh, this has been challenging for me specifically because of what I just, what I just talked about. And there's gotta be other people like that too, where I think they're going to go I'm almost double down and be like, man, I, I didn't realize how much I needed that.
1: I completely agree. And I have certainly faced those same challenges myself. Um, anytime I'm, I don't have a coach who's writing a program for me, or I'm not committed to following a program, I probably not as compliant as I should be. Um, but that being said, there's also periods of time where I don't have specific goals. Um, but that doesn't mean that my efforts might not tend towards being a little bit more lax versus having that accountability. And I would even say my the gym that I work for and the, my clients also give me that accountability. Like my training goals um, right now aren't competitive, but I train to be fit enough that I can test some of the workouts that I give them, um, which is becoming increasingly harder (laughs) because everyone's getting fitter and everything's Hmm. getting more challenging. Um, So there's still a lot of scaling in there, but that's a motivation and driver for me. And um, all of my clients right now are still training and they're training hard. So I don't want to feel like a hypocrite, you know, and not be doing the same thing. Um, So, same thing as you like there's certainly days where I think I struggle more than others uh, especially depending on what's going on with the day Um, but I can also take those experiences and help relate to those clients and um, try to offer viable solutions to combat that but I mean I've always been a huge advocate for face-to-face interaction and that's a lot of the reason I haven't just on online or remote coaching, because I really think there's a big difference when you can see someone in person, see them move, create rapport, um, even versus on a phone call or over text. It's just not the same. So like I said, I I hope that there are current clients see that there is value. And I agree, there also could be some people that when they come out of this, it might be a wake up call, like, wow, I should really invest in my health and my fitness. Um, I didn't like feeling unprepared that I couldn't do that on my own, you know, and I need the guidance of, you know, a gym and a community to help me with that.
0: I mean, and, and I think that there's a valid argument and I will not even try to become political in any stretch, um, which is crazy that this has become political. But one of the risk factors for people that get really sick with this is, is obesity. And so, you know, I was talking to my, I have a, I have like a virtual CFO that works for our company and he works with a 40 other gyms. Gyms are his main business. And he said, like, when this first started, he's like, I think there's going to be like a boom after because people are going to realize that, that like, Oh crap, this is a wake up call maybe. And and I almost like the new year, but this isn't a new year's challenge. It's like real life. And, um, with that comorbidity factor or, or anything. And there was an argument that someone was making, which is like, A gym is an essential business. And, and again, there's, there's, I can see it. Like I I believe so much in the fitness side of things and from a physical and mental perspective, there's so many people that utilize it for those purposes. So uh, if anything good comes out of this for people to your point is I hope more people say, wow, like if that is a risk factor, like I really need to do something about this.
1: I totally agree with that. I mean, I think now more than ever, people are realizing that they don't, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything, you know? Um, And it's not something that you can just, you know, pay with, with a credit card. Like it has to be earned, you know, there's only so much modern medicine can do. And that's also being realized right now. Um, So if you haven't invested that time and space for yourself, to become as healthy and aware, and um, have some type of physical activity built into your life, you know, I don't think you're really checking all the boxes of, you know, making sure that you live long and prosper.
0: Well, I think I think that's that's a great point. One of my things I've sort of studied and come up with over the past year or two with our clients, you know, I started to look in, in some of the profiles of, of some of our patients and it ranges. We have our CrossFit patients, but then we have some people that are in their fifties and sixties that I look at them and, and I say, okay, a lot of them have been successful. So they have financial freedom. They now maybe are retired and they have time freedom, but their knee is, they need a knee replacement or their hip is bothering them or their back hurts. And And that, that health freedom of, okay, if I don't fix my knee, I can't book that trip to Italy. Or if I don't fix my back, like I work at a, at a country club with golfers and they have, there's a program, there's, these guys call themselves the weekday warriors. It's literally guys in like their 50s, 60s, 70s that join a country club that probably have a good amount of money that were successful, that have time. The only thing that they can't control with money or any of it is their health. And so that's where they need to make sure, because if if you don't have that, the time and money is irrelevant, whether it's travel, whether it's golf, whether it's anything. Most people, unfortunately, I think, don't recognize that until it's taken away from them.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, Um, I think in your world a little bit more that people will be proactive, uh, but even if... We kind of argue on our staff of, of, you know, because medical, we're in medicine, we talk about, can we get patients before they really screw themselves up? And I would love that, but human nature does not allow for that to happen. You know, someone needs to kind of be screwed up before they come to seek someone out. And so I've even told people before, I believe that gyms, your type of situation that you're actually in primary care in reality, if you guys did your job and enough people saw you, we wouldn't be needed as much or primary care. So I hope over the next couple years and decades that people like you become much, um, you know, more sought out. Cause you know, a lot of people would think it's crazy to spend a few hundred bucks to go to a gym for coaching where they wouldn't think it's crazy to, uh, Spend that on a car uh, payment. But in reality, they should, the first expense of the month probably should be somebody like you, if you really, really think about it.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, investing in fitness, exercise, coaching, nutrition, like, because it does become almost like preventative medicine. So unless you are starting with somebody who, you know, is kind of hit bottom, either they've gotten hurt or hit some type of critical event that's motivating them to take action. If you actually do what you are supposed to do, and you're compliant, you're preventing, you know, something potentially bad from happening. So it's actually almost difficult to see what the payoff is, because your homeostasis is actually being healthy. Um, And same thing with like preventing an injury, right? If, you know, people who don't really believe in accessory work or um, trying to fix a problem before it happens, like if they are actually compliant and do that, they never see that they might never see that problem happen. So, do you know if you actually prevented it or not? You know, you're you're not sure. But um, I agree that the clients that I work with, a lot of them are they're very disciplined, they're very motivated. Otherwise, they wouldn't have um, sought out a coach. Um, so there there's not as many things I need to teach them. But even that, even so, there's always something to learn and You know, so right now with our general gym programming or at-home workouts, obviously we've had to reduce the amount of exercises we can prescribe because of what people have available to them. So we did lend out equipment like dumbbells and kettlebells, which has been really helpful. But other than that, we've had to be a little bit more creative with some of the movements and we see a lot more repetition. So I started writing a running program for three times a week because the weather's been kind of nice some days. The problem there and my fear there, and part of the reason I actually did that before it was even being asked was I was just noticing people wanted to do more volume and specifically run. And I was like, if that's, if I can give somebody guidance there and ramp them up slowly without trying to like shoot a bunch of volume right out the gate, um, I think we could actually create something really cool, maybe we've created a run club and maybe push people to do some of these races in the fall, um, you know, before anyone gets to the point of having overuse injuries, et cetera. And the the idea actually came from consultation of one of my clients who was like really limited right now. And I have felt the need to do kind of like a Murph-esque, I don't know if you're familiar with Murph-esque type workout like every day because I don't know what to do. And now my foot hurts
0: Oh yeah, because
1: I went from like, you know, a mile of running a
0: week to five miles. Yeah. I'll, I'll give yeah. you a, uh, a, another example of the same story. When, uh, the doctor that works with, with me, Dr. Ashton, he told me yesterday, we've been working with this, this guy, Tom, for a bunch of months. Now this guy, Tom, over the last year to 12 to 24 months, I don't know the exact timeline. He's lost almost a hundred pounds. He was oh. like 380 pounds. So he's under 300 now. Um, and he's been super motivated into it diligent. He's actually an excellent golfer, which is is fascinating. He's like a, a, a awesome golfer. The problem he's having now is he can't go to the gym, he can't play golf, he do not know what to do. So he was dabbling and running before, but now he's trying to like do, he was doing like three miles, now he's up to like six. Well, what happened? His knee and his foot started hurting him. So we're starting to see people three, four weeks into this quarantine that are for either they're doing more volume or they're generally doing less volume and sitting more that are starting to have some more issues. And it's starting to come out right about now. So people that were okay a couple of weeks ago, we're starting to kind of hear back from them again. They need some advice. They need some of this. They need some of that because they're getting stuck. I just got off of a consult with a, a patient who she's, um, She's a tech specialist at a, at a school and she's sitting at her desk six, eight hours on this like makeshift thing in her neck. She's pregnant or bought the whole thing. And so she, and what what I told her that she doesn't appreciate that none of us do, even if she's at a desk at school working for an hour to two to three hours or four hours in a day, she doesn't realize the amount of time that she's taking micro breaks. Like she gets out of her house, she walks to her car, she drives to work, she gets out of her car, she walks to her office, she gets to her office, she works, then she has to go talk to a teacher. She stands up and she goes, she comes back. She goes to lunch, she comes back. She's getting up and down throughout the day. The problem with a lot of being home for us is that like I roll out of bed like right there and then I walk here at seven steps and I could be here for eight hours. I haven't done anything other than go to the bathroom and go to the kitchen. And so we're missing some of that movement or we go the other way. We might be missing some of that movement in our day to day, but clients like yours are more likely to say, I don't know what to do. I'm going to go do Murph every day. And now I've developed a whole other set of issues. So I think the awareness to to your point of of what you're talking about is, and bringing this out, I think is important because it's unprecedented. Um, There's going to be things that people are dealing with physically that they never have before. The other part, which I hope that, you know, someone said it to me yesterday and and I hadn't really thought of it this way the only way that we're all going to make it through this which you alluded to is to keep this thing good our brain the only way this thing is good is if our physical body is good and so we could argue that someone like you potentially someone like me our value has gone up significantly because if you're hurt right now and you can't get out and go for a walk or you can't do your training i mean you're going it's it's debilitating and so um I'd imagine almost maybe for you, have you felt, Is there any been moments now you're like, I mean, you probably read it, but like, wow, I, I really matter. Like, have you ever had any of those like moments people appreciate you even more? You appreciate what you've done for people? Um,
1: Right when this all started, I immediately scheduled consults with all my individual clients to kind of like check in. And I remember feeling super stressed about that because I felt like I had an obligation to make sure everyone was okay. Um, I don't know if, you know, I would hope that there's definitely appreciation for that. And yes, I mean, I, I've, I've certainly um, received messages um, like that. And I think, I think just a general expression of gratitude is a lot stronger, and more powerful now because so much has been taken away from us. Um, but I told, I mean, I agree with you. And I, I think that, Um, coaches and anybody in the fitness industry or um, like what you're doing it's also been a difficult time because lots lots of us are small businesses and we're being definitely affected and I think there's going to be some businesses that don't make it out based on how long this goes but if you can continue really stay true to, you know, what you believe in, in helping people and continue to spread that message. I think that there's a lot of opportunity and untapped opportunity um, to reach out to a much greater population than people that have just been looking for quick fixes. Because yes, there are more options these days for, you know, what, what do they have? They have things that you can like workout facing a mirror or something and like no. uh, the, you know, <laughs> the pelotons and the apps sure. and um, all that stuff but I, holistically like the people that i think are looking at the whole person from every angle you know sleep hygiene nutrition um and really investing in the individual even if it is in a group format I really think they'll be successful and be able to, like I said, maintain the relationships they had and hopefully even build new ones. Um, but I totally agree, the value is much stronger. And um, I certainly have had people that have reached out to me that know what I do, but aren't necessarily interested in you know, joining across the gym. Um, just seeing appreciation or having motivation for getting out Side and doing some type of exercise um because i think they do realize how important it is and not only that it's also something to do you know um, it's something to do where you can actually feel good about yourself um like you are in control of something
0: you're saying eating a box of oreos isn't isn't a good, isn't making you feel good about yourself
1: i mean maybe in the short term (laughs) until uh, you start feeling
0: sick yeah no kidding so let's talk i again you and i never met before this this podcast and as i was doing my research um a little bit more fun topic i saw you are uh, quite the skier oh (laughs)
1: um i i like to dabble i guess you could say where what's your
0: favorite place that you've been to ski
1: um man um well, we were just in Colorado, actually, right, right before all the stuff started getting shut down, um, which was actually kind of a scary experience. But that was really, that was really nice. We went to Aravaho Basin, um, uh-huh. which was like an hour outside of Denver. I think the longest um, season
0: of the in the country, right? They can they're supposed to usually go to June, I think. Sometimes.
1: I Think so? Yeah. Um, last year we had some pretty awesome trips to um, Jackson Hole, which is a pretty famous place in Wyoming. That's Jackson where, that's
0: where I took my, that's where I took my honeymoon actually. Oh,
1: are you a skier too?
0: So it's, I started skiing. I'm 34. I didn't start. I never, I was on skis once my whole life until I turned 30. My wife is a skier and so she got me into it and I was always kind of like, yeah, I haven't done it, whatever. And then I started doing it. And so over the last three or four years, uh, I've gotten pretty good last year was my third year or was it 2018? So and we went to Jackson hole and I was only my second year and I was able to do like blacks at Jackson hole after two or three years, which, you know, was pretty good, which the year before I, we went to Lake Placid and people said, Oh, you're a new skier. Be careful. Like you're not gonna be able to do it. Cause we're used to skiing like Poconos. It's like, whatever. Right. Um, and I was okay at like doing blues at, um, at lake placid but thinking back if i would have gone to jackson that year and done blues there's no shot there's no shot so totally
1: totally yeah yeah. out west is a different animal um so yeah we went to jackson hole last year and then also to utah we did snowbird and alta Mm -hmm. um which are also pretty like challenging terrain and kind of similar to you like i grew up um skiing around the Poconos which are basically larger hills yes. um but I was like an assistant ski instructor for one season and then I didn't ski very much until probably when I met my boyfriend so about three years ago and he's from New Hampshire so he grew up skiing but he kind of has more trajectory of like pausing around college and all that so we you know went up to um Sugarbush in Vermont took some lessons um and then started you know traveling to these places with with harder terrain because we wanted to get better and it has been quite the learning experience um but just like anything else like it's fun to find something that challenges you right. and seeing so, is like sometimes when you're like facing uh, a hill and you're like kind of have that like oh shit, factor, yeah. like it's certainly real like the feeling of not wanting to hurt yourself not wanting to fall um but it's been really fun, like just kind of traveling um, and seeing some really amazing places. But also, like relearning, and now I'm like way better of a skier than I ever was, even when I used to ski all the time.
0: I uh, I think you'll appreciate this from a from a what you do for a living. I think the thing that I probably enjoy the most out of anything is learning new things physically. So when I first met my wife, it was tennis. I I was a baseball player in college and I never really, I played baseball and football. I played all sports, but I never played tennis. So I learned tennis and I got okay at that, but I was like obsessed for a while. And then, then we got into skiing and I was new and never did that. And now I'm back. It's the spring. I'm dabbling, getting back into playing golf, but it's all the same for me. It's how can I physically like learn and how to get better at something to your point before of like learning some sort of physical skill and watching yourself actually improve on it, in it, is uh, is good. My wife asked me the other day, she's like, what's the next thing you're going to become obsessed with? I was like, I don't know, maybe ping pong or something. Like, who knows? It'll be something else soon. But uh, yeah, I've, I've had the same experience with skiing of you know, just going in the first day, like well, couldn't even get on them and are falling and all of a sudden, and three years later, being able to go down a black in Jackson is, it's a pretty good concrete accomplishment, just like getting a PR in the gym.
1: I totally agree. I love it.
0: That's awesome. So what, tell us some more about, you know, one of the things I like to do on this podcast, I, I've interviewed some coaches before and I, 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 for you and I, it's so normal cause we deal with it every day and it's like, yeah, this is what I do. But for the general audience, talk to them about what, what your job actually is. Cause a lot of people don't realize that coaching is like a full-time thing. Tell me about what you do.
1: Absolutely. Um, so on a daily basis, so a client that I am working with currently um, I will write their program design. So it's really going to depend on what their goals are. So if I have a competitive athlete that's trying to qualify for now at this point in time, sanctionals have taken the place of regionals. So anyone familiar with CrossFit, um, a sanctional level athlete's program design is going to look very different than, you know, a 50 year old woman who just kind of wants to stay in shape and have some accountability and compliance. Um, So depending on the athlete, they have one to two sessions usually a day, five to seven times a week, um, depending on those goals. And so I'm writing their programming, um, which we're communicating through um, an app. I use an app called True Coach, which I think makes it super easy uh, to communicate and also uh, send videos, require feedback. Um, And then they're sending me their feedback on a daily basis. So. There are results of their workouts, weights, times, um, perceptive difficulty, like how they're feeling, um, etc. Um, so I'm writing programs for people. I'm checking feedback for people. I'm scheduling consultations with them every four to six weeks, depending on what their needs are. If they're leading up to a competition, if there something needs to be addressed, um, and you know that's pretty much the basics I for a daily basis um, I think that I'm not sure what other, what people think of what a coach does but in those consultations I will definitely say and even in the program design and how we're communicating there is a lot more to it than just what they're doing um, even down to how I'm writing the program there's a there's a lot kind of to be there's a lot of room for error and I think how it can be interpreted. So, um, you know, making sure that I'm being descriptive and communicating what I actually want them to do or feel um, and how I want them to report their feedback becomes extremely important um, because especially in the sort of crossfit, uh, it can get really complicated. And if we're trying to um, create a result using concurrent training or trying to make multiple adaptations same time, um, making sure that they're executing that program properly is super important. So it's not just you know goblet squat at three zero x one tempo times eight times three. Go ahead and do it. Um, you know it could be part of a pro- progression or something that I maybe want to see specifically if they're working on their snatch. Maybe something technically that I want to see specifically happening um, and making sure that they're doing that.
0: Cool. Where do you see your career kind of progressing as we go forward? I I think CrossFit has changed so much even in the last couple of years, but like, what do you even think about that? Or it's just like, let me just figure out the next month.
1: Um, I do definitely think about that, but then also sometimes I need to compartmentalize and only think about today or the next week, the next month. Um, I think there will be a growing demand for people who want remote or online coaching. Um, I think that people who are athletes or former athletes, like they tend to be my largest clientele. They tend to have a certain personality of, you know, where they're seeking a one-on-one relationship with somebody and they explicitly want to be told what to do. Um, but I just feel like as things evolve, I mean, we kind of talked about this before having somebody that is a person that you can have a conversation with and um, create a relationship with long-term, I think has a ton of value. We have our whole circle of our friends and our family. um, And I think those are really important support systems, but we also always know they're kind of gonna be there and to have an objective influence um, of somebody who is also on your team and wants the best for you, but can also help you achieve things that you want to actually achieve. is extremely important. I mean, I think as far as fitness, fitness or performance, like as we come become older and adults, we don't have that accountability anymore. Like there's nobody there telling us what to do or what is correct or being able to actually to discern interpret information because there is so much information. I mean, right now right now we're in information overload. So how do you how are you actually able to you can read all the articles and blogs and Instagram posts you want how are you able to discern um, what you need to do what's best for you and what timetable to actually be able to make progress in something um, and I just I think the relationship itself has a ton of value not only you know I assume for my clients otherwise they wouldn't have hired me but for me like I have certainly evolved in how I've operated over the years I've Definitely made a lot of mistakes, um, and kind of I'm starting to really feel like I know myself even better because of the conversations and the relationships I've had with my clients. Like mm-hmm. they've helped me get there, um, and I hope that they, you know, they have value. Our relationship has had value in their lives as well. But um, yeah, I mean, I think more people will be interacting online. I think it's really convenient. Um, but, you know, I I just, I don't think, I think to sustain a relationship with someone, you really have to spend the time and invest in understanding who they are. And if you do that and, um, it's a two way street, like it works for both people. Um, I think it can be a really awesome, like long lasting relationship.
0: Awesome. Uh, before we finish up quarantine edition, what's, maybe something that's personally helped you in the last four or five weeks, whether physical or mental or book or podcast that you'd want the audience to say, Hey, like, this has really helped me during this time. And I think it'd help you. Is there, is there one thing that you could think about could be a mindset thing, could be a book thing, could be a podcast thing, could be just a workout thing.
1: Um, that's a great question. I don't know if I can say one thing. I've, I've gone on a lot more walks and I have actually listened to a bunch of podcasts that I've had like bookmarked for a while. Um, but like, it sounds so simple, but walking outside has been very like therapeutic. Um, it's also pretty nice right now. There's a lot of like stuff blooming, and it actually gives some time to have social interaction, even if you're six feet or across the street from somebody else. Um, so I've really just enjoyed that. And, and, I have listened to some podcasts. I did listen to one, of, one episode of yours to All kind of right. prepare myself Perfect. and um, I enjoyed it. Uh, yep. I think it was with your, um, I think it was with your trainer, actually.
0: The last one, James. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: but uh, yeah. He's, I, I, he's uh, and I, I tell him this and it's no, no, no smoke. He's like one of the most creative and well, like he's like a, a savant in program design very, very good at program design more so than anyone I've ever seen. And he, he's got like, I don't know, a couple hundred clients at, at his gym and he writes everybody's program. Like he loves doing it. So it's good. It's cool to watch. So, awesome. yeah. So walks awesome. for you have been important. Something that you probably norm that, that you probably don't do nearly as much. Um, none of us, none of us do. Um, so yeah. And I, and I think that, that, if if we can take the bad that's come with this but if we do potentially find something a silver lining anywhere and and utilize that to our advantage it's kind of like what other choice do you have you know you have totally. gotta try and do it so um yeah. yeah it's it's a it's a crazy time but i think that Hopefully, we learn some good lessons from it and make new connections from it, which has been which has been fantastic. Where can our audience, if they're interested, find you? Instagram, email, social media, whatever. Tell us tell us where to find you.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, my Instagram would probably be the easiest way to find me um, I'm at, at Pear Bear P E R B E H R. You can also check out um, my gym at Requisite Fitness, um, and feel free to hit me up on either of the two. DM me whatever.
0: Perfect. Cool. Uh, Perrin, I really appreciate you being on. It was great to meet you and talk to you and learn a little bit about you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the stay healthy, New Jersey podcast brought to you by strive to move. If your pain or injury is preventing you from living the healthy and active lifestyle you love and deserve and want to get back to doing what you love pain-free, we offer both a free ebook and free over the phone consultation to Help you figure out the root cause of your pain and the best next steps to help resolve it. Find our ebooks online at strivetomove.com/slash/our services. There you'll find an ebook for topics on such things as back pain, knee pain, sports injuries, and CrossFit injuries. These ebooks will provide you with free expert advice, tips, and exercises to help solve your pain from the comfort of your own home. Just visit strive to move.com slash our services to download your ebook and have it delivered directly to your inbox. We also offer free no obligation phone consults with a doctor on staff to New Jersey residents. Just call us at 908-547-0729 or visit us at strive to move.com and click the Talk to the Doctor First button on the homepage to schedule a call with us. Thanks again for joining us, and we will see you next time on the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast.